part twenty two of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain part twenty two account of the taking the obelisk from the island of philo to alexandria part one having made arrangements for accomplishing the models of the tombs i set off for esne with the intention of inquiring into the possibility of obtaining camels to go to the great oasis which lies due west from that place when i had obtained all the information i desired i returned to thebes to prepare for another sally into the western desert on my arrival in gournou i found the consul mr salt mr banks and baron sack had arrived from cairo having convinced mr salt of the impossibility of making a collection on my own account according to our understanding in consequence of his having taken possession of the grounds in thebes he proposed a new arrangement to be made between us which was that i might be at liberty to dig on either side of thebes on any ground i thought proper taking for my exertion a certain share of what might be found in the intended researches having agreed to this proposition i had to recommence my operations i was fully satisfied with the above arrangement as i supposed that i should have an opportunity of making a collection of antiques out of the share which would be allotted to me about this time mr drouetti arrived in thebes and by the medium of mr banks made an offer to purchase the celebrated sarcophagus of alabaster but his offer was not accepted footnote one evening that the whole party were assembled mr drouetti happened to be there the consul and he had some few words about a circumstance which i cannot avoid mentioning it will be recollected that previous to our departure for the red sea a man from the opposite party desired to have a passage on board of our boat to cairo which was granted at girgay six days sail below thebes this unfortunate man was drowned by falling overboard as was stated by all the crew and some of our people who were on board when the boat arrived at cairo the report was made to the consul mr salt of the accident and though mr drouetti was there at the time he did not signify that any investigation should take place on this affair now that mr drouetti was in thebes and the consul also mr drouetti complained much that he did not take into consideration the death of that man the consul replied that he never heard of any occasion to investigate the matter to which mr drouetti replied that he ought to have done it the consul then told him that as the man was in mr drouetti's employ he was surprised that he did not make an application while in cairo mr d said that he did not for delicacy's sake which answer was received with general laughter nothing was left undone by our opponents to slander out insinuations End note. at this period mr banks solicited me to ascend the nile as far as the island of philo to remove the obelisk i had taken possession of before in the name of the british consul the consul then informed me that he had ceded the said obelisk to mr banks who intended to send it to england on his own account i gladly accepted the undertaking as i was pleased to have the opportunity of seeing another piece of antiquity on its way to england and of obliging a gentleman for whom i had great regard two days previous to our departure the consul and myself crossed the nile to karnak to point out the various spots of ground which had been previously taken by myself 
on our landing at luxor we met mr duetti who offered to accompany us to carnac to be witness of the various spots of ground which were to be allotted to me for excavation on the way mr duetti told us a pleasant story of a man who was dressed like myself who was hidden among the ruins of the temple whom he mr duetti had great reason to believe was a person who wished to do him some injury and that he had already acquainted the kamaikan of that place of the circumstance i begged him to tell me what reason that man could have for assuming my appearance he said that it was done to deceive him and if he the impostor had done anything bad it was to make the people believe that it was myself who had done it the consul laughed at the story and observed that i could not be so easily imitated the conclusion of all this was that if i had happened to go among the ruins which it was my constant practice to do and some one had sent a ball at me they could have said after that they mistook me for the person who had assumed my appearance in dress and figure i informed mr duetti that i hoped he would tell his european people to inquire before they should fire at the supposed person representing me whether it was the real or the sham belzoni as it would not be quite so pleasant or satisfactory to me if the mistake had been found out after he replied that that person was sent away from thebes and would not return again we went all over the ruins and marked out the various spots of land which had been taken by us previous to mr duetti's agent's arrival in thebes so all was well understood and all was so arranged that it was hoped that no further differences should arise from any party now my reader read it and judge it is not agreeable to my wishes to insert in this volume these matters which perhaps may cause a supposition of my inclination to expose but such is the case that i cannot avoid mentioning it as i have done many others for if i was to conceal from the public what happened at that period an advantage might be taken and matters brought before them in any light but that of truth after having now gone over the various places where i had to excavate mr duetti with all the complaisance possible invited the consul and myself into his habitation among the ruins of karnak we were regaled with sherbet and lemonade and talked of our late journey to berenice the discourse turned on our next expedition to the isle of philo when i happened to say that as i had to take the obelisk from that island down the cataract i feared it was too late in the season as the water would not serve at the cataract to float and launch down a boat adequate to support such a weight on hearing this mr duetti said that those rogues at the shalal meaning at aswan had deceived him that they promised many times to bring down the said obelisk for him but that they only promised to do it to extort money from him i then informed mr duetti that those people knew they could not take away that obelisk as since my first voyage up the nile i took possession of it in consequence of a firman which the consul mr salt who was there present had obtained from the bashaw the consul informed mr duetti that he had ceded the said obelisk to mr banks who intended to have it removed to england on hearing this mr duetti said that he was not aware we had taken possession of it and inquired if any money was spent in that affair on our side 
and having been answered that we paid money to keep a guard over the obelisk and that it was well understood with the aga of aswan that we were again to carry it away on the first opportunity he replied that those people had deceived him to exact money from his agents and so forth but notwithstanding all this as the obelisk was intended for mr banks he would not say a word about it and voluntarily ceded it to him this was not in compliment to our consul who was present i thought this was another present made to mr banks like the cover of the sarcophagus made to me which was so far buried among the rocks of gournou that all their efforts could not prevail to take it out mr drouetti inquired when we should set off and the consul told him on the day after to-morrow accordingly on the sixteenth of november we left thebes for the first cataract of the nile the party was numerous mr banks mr salt baron sack a prussian traveller and a celebrated naturalist mr beechey mr lennon a draughtsman dr ricci and myself a large boat was taken for the consul a cangiere for mr banks a small boat for the baron and a canoe for the sheep goats fowls geese ducks pigeons turkeys and donkeys which occasionally joined the chorus with the rest of the tribes and accompanied the fleet with a perpetual concert as to provisions we were pretty well supplied i believe for as their boats came lately from cairo they brought full stores yet it was arduous travelling living in that manner destitute of every commodity of life for even at table we had not ice to cool ourselves after the hot repast which was concluded with fruits and only two sorts of wine in short our lives were a burden to us from the fatigue and dangerous mode of travelling we were not like travellers who live on the best of everything they can get and ride at home the hard life they undergo oh no oh no we would scorn to travel in such an effeminate manner to be sure some travellers will say why should i starve myself when i am in a plentiful country oh then but you should not make the world believe you are starving while you live like sir john falstaff on our passing elithius we stopped there part of a day and nearly the whole of the next as i have nothing to add to the description of that place i shall not enter into any further description of it on the twenty first we visited edfu and took a minute survey of these truly magnificent ruins which are so covered with a profusion of objects that if a traveller was to repeat his visits every day of his life he might still find something new to be observed this place was at that time under the researches of mr drouetti's agents one of whom we understood had received a dispatch from his master by an extra courier and had immediately set off for the island of philo we continued our voyage and before we arrived at sicily or the chain of mountains we met a small boat in which was mr leboulo the said agent and countryman of mr drouetti of piedmontese he was hailed but would not stop to speak we stopped at this place at night and early in the morning we were all scattered about these quarries not in search of partridges but in search of sepulchres ancient stones greek inscriptions sphinxes or any sort of egyptian wonder indeed i must say that this place deserves more of the attention of the scientific traveller than has hitherto been bestowed upon it 
there are several interesting burial places among the quarries of the rocks and it is evident that the famous sphinxes with the ram's head which are to be seen in karnak have been taken from this spot as one of the same kind is to be seen cut out in the rough and partly removed from the rocks to the nile and another like it is nearly cut out of the quarry as to the old story that these two mountains were chains i can but say that i have my objection as to the fact of it for if the ancients wanted to prevent the passing of boats it may be supposed that aswan was a more suitable place for that purpose as the passage from the island of elephantine to the rocks of old aswan is much narrower than that of the sicily mountains and the cataract itself would form as good a barrier as any that could be constructed on the nile there is a stone on the west side of the said mountain which is supposed to be that to which the chain was attached but for my part i could not see any marks where the chain was fixed nor does the stone seem to have been suited to such purposes and i am rather inclined to think that the name of the chained mountains is derived from the position of the mountain itself it runs in a chain from east to west and stretches over the nile at each side so that it forms the narrowest passage in that river from the cataract to the sea from which circumstance it is possible that the ancients have given it that name for i do not believe that their commerce was so flourishing as to oblige them to put an iron chain across the nile to stop the boats at night at a time when iron was reckoned a most valuable article and was employed for better purposes we reached ombos on the next day and as the party had to stop there one day longer i was anxious to read aswan as i expected no good from the early journey of lebulo the agent of mr Drouetti. accordingly i set off for that place in a congere which had come to meet us to take the consul up to nubia i took with me a young scotchman who had been brought into egypt at the time of the last english invasion of that country he was taken prisoner and some years after entered into the service of the bashaw of egypt and assumed the name of osman he became acquainted with sheik burckhardt and in consequence of his honesty and attachment to him the sheik rewarded him in his will he was the only and the last person who closed the eyes of that lamented traveller and i had much conversation with him on the subject on my arrival at aswan i found that the said lebulo had suggested to the aga of aswan and to the natives of the island of philo not to let the english party who were coming up carry away the obelisk the aga remonstrated with him that the obelisk had been taken possession of by me three years before and a guard had been paid for it on that account in consequence of this refusal mr lebulo proceeded to the island of philo and having heard from all the natives that i had taken possession so long before he adopted the method of a trick to seduce these simple people he pretended he could read the hieroglyphics on the obelisk and said it was written that the obelisk belonged to mr Drouetti's ancestors consequently he had a right to it the people believed him and he gave them some trifling presents and brought them to the cady or justice to hear their testimony that the obelisk was the property of mr Drouetti. the cady received a present and wrote a sort of certificate on the evidence of these people having done all this mr lebulo wrote a note which he left with one of the sheikhs in the island to give it to us when we arrived and set off immediately as he thought his face could not be impudent enough to meet us 
on my arrival at assouan i heard of the difficulties this agent had thrown in our way but i remonstrated with the aga that he must recollect that it was well understood that i took possession of that obelisk ever since my first voyage and that the money i paid for a guard was given to him by the medium of one of the bashaw's janizaries who was ready to testify the case and that he the aga himself made a contract to receive three hundred piastres thirty dollars on the removal of the obelisk he acknowledged all this and said that the other party would have taken the obelisk away several times but they could not succeed and that lately they tried again but the water of the cataract was too low so that they could not effect the passage through for this season this last observation concerned me more than all the rest of his discourse for it was entirely on the possibility of effecting the passage down the cataract this year that depended the success of exporting the obelisk next day the party arrived at assouan and i went to the island of philo to take a view of the bank where i was to embark the obelisk and have it conveyed to the cataract where it was to be launched on my arrival there an old sheikh immediately presented to me the following note le chargé d'affaires de m duretti prie m les voyageurs européens de respecter le porteur du présent billet gardant l'obelisque qui est dans l'île de philo appartenant à m duretti le billet philo de twenty second september eighteen eighteen the people of the island then informed me of the means which mr lebulo had taken to persuade them to testify that the obelisk belonged to his party by the date of the note i perceived that this was done only eight days before and as we had been fifteen days on our voyage from thebes to assouan they had time to do all this underhand work at their leisure on my return to assouan i acquainted the consul and mr banks of what passed and suggested to them that the only mode of proceeding was to have an interview with the aga himself and from him to hear who was the first to take possession of the obelisk accordingly the aga was requested to come on board and in the presence of the consul he declared that i was the first person of all who took possession of the obelisk accordingly i set the men to work i procured a boat for that purpose which by chance was in assouan the greatest difficulty was to persuade the rise or captain of the shellal to undertake to launch the boat down the cataract with the obelisk on board the water was very low at that time and what was more against the undertaking of the operation was that the opposite party had applied to him two months before when the water was much higher and he refused on the score that it was not high enough however the promise of a good present and half of the money in his hands mollified the captain and he promised that he would accomplish the undertaking to the aga he made a present of a gold watch worth one hundred and fifty piastres fifteen dollars in the name of mr banks the sheikhs of the moraida and other places round were to be gained to our side that they might provide men to work this was done of course by way of giving a trifle more than the rest of the labourers and promising more if they behaved well i had some little difficulty to procure a few sticks or small poles at assouan as there is no wood in those places except what they procure from cairo merely to repair their boats 
i had also some difficulty at first in removing the said obelisk from its original station but once put on its way it soon came to the waterside the pedestal was rather more troublesome owing to its square form it was almost buried under the rubbish and as we had no tackle whatsoever and very little wood it retarded the work one or two days longer at this time the aga of aswan came to the island and presented a letter he had received from mr drouetti himself sealed with his own seal which the aga knew well ordering the aga not to permit any one to take away the obelisk the letter was translated by the scotch osman from whom we had no doubt of the correctness of its contents the consul begged the aga to send back his compliments to mr drouetti and to tell him that we were going to remove the obelisk at this time mr bailey mr godfrey and two other gentlemen arrived in the island from their tour through greece and so forth our party prepared for their voyage to the second cataract the obelisk was now ready to be embarked when the following accident happened which was entirely owing to my own neglect by trusting a single manoeuvre to some who speak more than they can execute i had left the care to others of making a sort of temporary pier of large blocks of stones while i had to go to examine a certain passage in the cataract where the boat was to be taken up empty and launched down when loaded on my return the pier appeared quite strong enough to bear at least forty times the weight it had to support but alas when the obelisk came gradually on from the sloping bank and all the weight rested on it the pier with the obelisk and some of the men took a slow movement and majestically descended into the river wishing us a better success i was not three yards off when this happened and for some minutes i must confess i remained as stiff as a post the first thing that came into my head was the loss of such a piece of antiquity the second was the exultation of our opponents after so much questioning as to what party it belonged and lastly the blame of all the antiquarian republic in the world it happens very often that after a vase slips through the hands and breaks on the ground it is by a natural impulse that one turns himself to look at the pieces so did i i fixed my eyes on the place where the pier set off by itself into the nile and observed that the stones which were to serve as a foundation on a sloping bank had been only laid on the surface of it so that naturally the weight of the obelisk must have carried it or rather pressed down into the nile the obelisk was still peeping a little out of the water the labourers were of various humours some were sorry not for the obelisk which was no loss to them but for the loss of what they might have gained in future operations in passing it down the cataract and others were laughing i suppose at seeing the evident disappointment expressed on my countenance some went one way some another and i remained alone seated on the bank to contemplate the little part which projected out of the water and the eddies made by the current on that spot in consequence of the obelisk below the effects of surprise did not last long i began to reflect and saw the possibility of taking the obelisk up again unfortunately i had not a single machine to help the undertaking and even our ropes which were of palm leaves were broken and half rotten and scarcely any wood at all suited to employ to that purpose the obelisk is one single piece of granite of twenty-two feet in length and two in breadth at the bases 
it is not smaller in height than that in st george's fields but of a stone of a much heavier quality i had however in my favour the people who are excellent watermen and who could stay in the water the whole day without the least difficulty having made up my mind to have the obelisk taken up i found that the loss would be only two or three days work accordingly i ordered the men to come the next morning and sent to aswan that evening to fetch some ropes if possible mr banks was not there when this happened as he had crossed the nile that afternoon but the labourers who returned home after the obelisk had fallen in the water informed him of what had happened i believe he was not less displeased than myself when i saw the accident and on his arrival he said that such things would happen sometimes but i saw he was not in a careful humour himself so i informed him that the obelisk was not lost and that in two or three days it would be on board the two next days were employed in this operation which was done as follows i caused a great quantity of stones to be brought to the waterside i then desired several men to enter the water and to make a heap of stones on the side of the obelisk opposite to the shore and to form a solid bed for the levers to rest upon i accordingly placed the levers under the obelisk one at the bases and the other near the leaning point so that by the pressure of the levers the obelisk must turn round upon its axis the men could not put down the lever under water as they do on shore but by seating themselves on the extremity of the levers the pressure of their own weight produced the effect two ropes were passed under the obelisk that end which was from under it was fastened to some date trees which happened to be on the bank and to the ends which came from above i put as many men to pull as i thought were sufficient at the side where the levers were i put some good divers who were ready to put large stones under the obelisk when it rose so that it might not return back to its former situation having set the men at the rope to pull and those of the divers to mount on the extremities of the levers the obelisk rose on the side opposite the bank and when the levers were to be removed the obelisk was propped by stones under it it was risen so that its own weight caused it to move round at each turn of it when we gained nearly the space of its own breadth and so on till it came quite on dry ground which was effected in less than two days the party then set off for the second cataract previous to the taking on board the obelisk i thought it better to export from the island the pedestal of it as i could not use the boat for both i embarked and took it at the marada in a good situation that it might be easily embarked at this moment an agent of mr Druetti came to aswan and put the whole town in an uproar he brought the aga to the island of philo to speak to me and to persuade me for my best advantage to leave the obelisk there i asked the aga what he had to say on this affair that if he thought proper i should leave the obelisk where it was ready for embarkation for mr duetti the aga seeing me smile replied that he had nothing to say on the subject that mr duetti had written to the defterdar bey at siout and that the defterdar bey had written to him the aga not to meddle with either party the agent abused the aga but to no purpose as all his proceedings would not interrupt my work he then attempted to convince the sheikhs that they might stop the men from working offering to pay them for their loss of time without any trouble such offers made even to the labourers were rejected by them with disgust 
i continued my operation and put the obelisk on board by means of a bridge of palm-trees thrown from across the boat to the land under the obelisk which was now turned on the bridge and entered on board when in the centre of the boat i removed the trees from under it and no sooner was this done than we set off with the obelisk for the marada to have it ready to be launched down the cataract on the next morning the rice of the shellal or cataract continued firm on my side and i continued to keep him so he had half of the money he now came to receive the other half previous to his undertaking i did not think it prudent to disappoint him in his expectation so i paid him the other half which was twenty-five dollars on condition that he would make a promise before two of my people to maintain his word and on the contrary if he failed that i should appeal to mahomet ali the bashaw at cairo he was satisfied and having made the arrangement for the number of men who were to be employed the next day he set off on his business on the same evening i took a walk among the granite rocks of the cataract where we had to pass the next day an object of attention came in my way which i often thought to speak of there were many of these rocks with hieroglyphics and figures cut on them which evidently were done only by scholars who perhaps were practising the science of sculpture on those masses the observation i made was that a calculation of ages might be made by the various colours which the rocks have taken from their original and from the time it has been cut for instance we have to suppose that when nature first formed the mass of granite it was as white as it may be seen now when newly cut we next must fix on an epoch for the time when the hieroglyphics on these rocks were engraved and by that we may calculate the degree of the three colours which are in view for instance the part which has never been touched is dark brown that which has been cut supposed about three thousand years ago is light brown and some sculptured in later ages is still lighter that which has been cut only one hour before may be supposed to be as it was on the day of its creation as above so by the proportion of the various colours on the rocks a calculation of the age may be formed and by that means we may found the age of the creation i beg my readers to pardon my thus speculating on a point which in my humble capacity can afford but little instruction however as the idea struck me i lay it before the public next morning all was ready for the dangerous operation of passing the cataract with the obelisk i have mentioned before that this is the greatest fall or rather descent of water in the cataract when the inundation is half high in the nile it is a column of water of about three hundred yards in length which falls in an angle of twenty and twenty-five degrees among rocks and stones which project out in various directions the boat was brought to the margin of the cascade a strong rope or rather a small cable was attached to a large tree the end of which was passed through the beams of the boat so as to be slackened or stopped at pleasure in the boat there were only five men and on the rocks on each side of the cascade a number of others in various places with ropes attached to the boat so as to put it either on one side or the other as it required to prevent its running against the stones for if it should be touched in the smallest degree with such a weight on board and in such a rapid stream the boat could not escape being dashed to pieces 
the cable which i borrowed from a merchant boat in aswan was pretty strong but not sufficient to stop the boat in its course in case it should be in danger of running against a rock it was only sufficient to check its course down nor could the boat have been stopped in such a situation for in that case the water would run over the boat and sink it instantly under these circumstances all depended on the dexterity of the men who were posted in various parts to pull or slacken according as necessity required i did not fail to use all the persuasion possible and promises of bakshis to the wild people as they are called but who on this occasion were as steady as so many pilots the rise of whom i had hired the boat was almost out of his senses thinking it would be certainly lost the poor fellow had engaged his vessel merely because it happened that his trade failed and he was in aswan for some time without hope of getting a cargo and had incurred debts which confined him there and he would have been glad of any freight to get out but when he saw the danger his boat was in he cried like a child and begged i would relinquish my project and return his boat safe to him but when he saw the vessel on the point of being launched he threw himself with his face to the ground and did not rise till all was out of danger having seen that all was ready i gave the signal to slacken the cable it was one of the greatest sights i have seen the boat took a course which may be reckoned at the rate of twelve miles an hour accordingly the men on land slackened the rope and at the distance of one hundred yards the boat came in contact with an eddy which beating against a rock returned towards the vessel and then helped much to stop its course the men on the side pulled the boat out of the direction of that rock and it continued its course gradually diminishing its rate till it reached the bottom of the cataract and i was not a little pleased to see it out of danger the labourers altogether seemed pleased at the good success of the attempt even independently i believe of the interest they might derive from it and it is not very often that such feelings enter the bosoms of these people the rise of the boat came to me with joy expressed in his countenance as may be easily imagined having set all to rights to pass the other parts of the cataract i went on board and we continued the course of the current we had only two or three places of little danger to pass but thank god we arrived safe at aswan on the same day i beg it to be observed that this is not the passage where small boats are taken up or down the cataract for there are other smaller columns of water which are deep enough to float small boats but not such as that one with the obelisk End of part twenty two